You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So basically, this campaign is saying the following thing, and, and, and it's not that unique in that sense, uh, saying, hey, uh, there is some free of charge gift or price or coupon, something in that nature. Uh, it's very compelling. It's very engaging in many ways. And it leads for victims to, you know, press on that relevant link, go through a website, and from there, you know, be more engaged with the scam and, and as a result, lose some of their personal information. That's Orr Katz. He's a security executive for thought leadership and research at Akamai. The research we're discussing today is titled, Highly Sophisticated Phishing Scams Are Abusing Holiday Sentiment. And it is good looking. I mean, they've taken the effort here to really make it look like the brands that they're impersonating. Yes, definitely. And, and they're, they're doing a really good job, right? I, I, we don't want to admit that, but in a sense, they're doing a good, good job for them to create something that's very trustworthy, uh, look very appealing, looks like legit, and as a result of that, create much more engagement from potential victims, which is something that you know we need to address, right? That, that, that's something that uh, keeps me awake at night. Right. Uh, being able to track those things and making sure that, you know, we know how to mitigate those kind of scams. And, and I mean, this is using some of the, the standard social engineering schemes that we that we track here. I mean, they're they're it's sort of a call to action with some urgency. Uh, they even have some fake user forums. And that's the story behind the scene, which is right. It's not just one campaign being activated. There's a bunch of those campaigns being activated at, at the same time. And, and they are using the same phishing toolkit in that sense. Like it's, it's toolkits would be the, the, the software being used by adversaries to, to launch those kind of campaigns. 
And what they are doing is that they are creating those, as you mentioned, fake users um, that looks as if they're like social networks kind of users that are trying to say, hey, this campaign really like this kind of offer really works. It's not a scam. Uh, I got some free, uh, you know, gift uh, and etc. cetera. Um, and, and they are doing that and they're using the same fake users for different kind of campaign, different kind of merchandise being offered to the victims. And that's part of the, you know, the, the scale of that kind of campaign. Well, let's go through some of the technical things that they're doing here as well. They're, they're taking advantage of some URL shorteners. Yes. Uh, so overall, they're using a variety of techniques. Uh, the first one, as you mentioned, it's a URL shorteners. Uh, and in a sense, they're creating like a, a nest of, you know, links that at the end of the day leads to the landing page, the, the actual phishing website. Uh, they're using that as part of their techniques and their ways to try to evade detection uh, using a nested kind of uh, uh, links to lead to different or same scam, create a kind of agility from their point of view to be able to change one of those links and still being uh, resilient to detection in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it, looking through the research here, I mean, it really reads like a, it, it's practically a, a textbook example of, of some of the techniques that, that we see here. I mean, they're using legitimate web services like AWS or Google Cloud. Exactly. It's, 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 and, and, and I'm being asked about that a lot, right? I'm being asked, how come phishing is still working, right? Uh, and and I'm, I'm struggling, sometimes I'm struggling to answer that, right? How come people are still falling into those scams and being victimized by those scams? And there's two aspects for that. First of all, it's the social engineering part of that, how you can, you know, engage people into those scams. And, and we talked about that. But the second part, as you mentioned, it's a variety of techniques being used to make sure that those scams works and URL shorteners and being able to create, you know, those kind of links that no one know how to detect. That's part of the, the magic that they are creating in order to, you know, make sure that their scams still work. There's a technical element here that you all highlight, and, and this is the usage of URI fragment identifier redirection. Can you unpack that for us? What are they doing here? That's like, it's the first time that I was able to see that kind of techniques being used and, and, and we haven't seen no one report on that techniques um, in the wild. So, so we consider that as a novel kind of technique. And the interesting part here, and, and that's like, before we go into the details, the, the issue is that adversaries are creating links that make sure that only those that press on the original link being sent to your email will be landing on the phishing scam. And in other words, uh, if you will take uh, the original link without some extra kind of information that what we call URL uh, um, fragmentation of that kind of link, and you will try to use that, you will not get into the landing page. If you will take that and use that from uh, like uh, something that is not a browser, like a, uh, a script or something like that, that scans variety of URLs, you will not get to the landing page. And in that sense, it's one of those, you know, again, a variety of techniques being used to make sure that those scams will work and will postpone detection of that scam by creating all kinds of barriers for us from a defensive point of view. And that kind of link uh, create that. Uh, basically, it's, it's, in a way, it's, it's that kind of techniques being used 
making sure that only once we use our browser and using the original link that was sent to us, only then we will get to the landing page for the scan. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. So help me understand here. Does it, does that mean that, uh, for example, if I don't know if this link was loaded in some kind of security package that that pre-detonates links like this, that that may not work for, it may not take them to the landing page where it would for me if I clicked on it in my browser. Exactly that. Like uh, in a huh. sense, if you would try to reach out that link without using a browser. Or browser engine, right? You can do that like uh, automatically in a, in a sort of sort of sort of simulation of a, of a browser. If you will not do that, if you access that link, it will not work because uh, that link is actually using some functionality of JavaScript on our browser to create a follow-up link, a link that being generated by the browser by the JavaScript running on our browser to redirect us to the next stage of that scam. And if you are not running a browser or browser engine, you will not be able to create that link. And as a result of that, you will not get to the uh, phishing scam. And in a sense, that's what motivated adversaries in, in a way that are trying to make sure that those that are not legitimate victims, you know, right? that legitimate victim, is, it's a bit... Uh, uh, <laughs> that's an um, interesting turn of phrase, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> um, will not get to the scam, right? Uh, and when I'm trying to, to create an analogy for that from our, like from Akamai point of view on things that we are doing to protect our uh, customers, uh, when we are making sure that, you know, none, like users that are not humans, meaning bots are not being, like will not reach out websites because we want to block that kind of traffic, those kind of, Adversary are using similar techniques in a sense, but on the other way around. They are making sure that only victims will reach out their scam and not something that is trying to to scan uh, some URLs and try to figure out if that is scam or not. You point out the use of randomly generated URLs that they're, they're really working hard to uh, limit the access to the kit. Yeah. So so again. Variety of techniques. One of the techniques that we're able to see is a technique that makes sure that only the person that was following the link, the original link, will have access to the scam website. Uh, it's a, a dynamic kind of generation of that link that can change between different original links being sent to end users, to the victims. And they make sure that once you take a given link given to you, for example, and I will try to use that link from my browser, 
I will not get to that landing page. I need to follow the original link that was delivered for me on my email to be able to get to that scam. If you will give me the final link, the final URL that is exposed to you once you access the website and I will try to use it, it will not work. And again, uh, think about it from an adversary point of view. They are trying to delay time for detection. They are trying to make sure that if you see something suspicious and you send it over for me to examine that, I will try to use that link and it will not work. And I will say, hey, nothing works here. You know, I'm not getting into the scam. And as a result of that, detection times takes longer because we need to do more investigation and more, you know, better understanding what really happened here. Who do you suppose they're targeting here? Is 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 there any specificity there in terms of who they're, it seems like they're going after? So the campaign that we tracked was mainly focused on North America victims. Uh, we noticed that there are some other campaigns that are targeting different geolocated kind of um, victims. But in our case, it was mostly North America and the brands being abused in that sense were aligned with that. But basically, it's a consumer kind of campaign, a very basic one, uh, trying to, you know, get to as many people as possible, lead them to the scan, and at the end of the day, try to get their credit card information. Do you have any sense for the the availability of this kit, where people are are purchasing it and, you know, the degree to which uh, the bad guys are using it out there? That's a really great question. So... The, the, the short answer is no. I, I don't have much visibility into the kit itself, how it's being sold, and what's the market behind that. But I will say that uh, we know that that kit and version, previous version of very similar, if not the same kit, uh, are being used over and over again for quite some time. And I think that, in a sense, helped us to understand some of the scale and some of the motivation behind the scene, meaning that this is someone that is, that's his work. His work is to create those phishing toolkits, to take them each time to the next level, make them much more sophisticated uh, for many reasons, right? To, to not be detected, that, that's his motivation. Uh, for a sophistication of the toolkit or creating more engagement in that sense. And they are doing that for quite some time. They are doing that in high scale. We saw, we see a lot of those. Um, and we know it's some sort of a, a business for that. And that's unfortunately, you know, what we're seeing out there. Well, based on the information you've gathered here, then, then what are your recommendations for folks to best protect themselves against this? Um, I think that at the end of the day, there is recommendation for, for you know, our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors, you know, people that we care about uh, and tell them, hey, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, make sure that you're not falling into those scams. If someone offer you a gift, a very, you know, nice gift, and it doesn't cost anything but for you to provide your credit card number for very you know, limited amount of money for delivery, for example, for shipment. You know, think about it. It might be wrong, right? Don't do that. And that's for, you know, the, the looking at the victim from, you know, that point of view. Uh, for organization, I would say it's all about layers. 
it's all about our ability to create multi-layered approach that will make sure that we reduce those kind of that reduce the potential of having victims from our organization to the minimum. It's not uh, 100% bulletproof, right? Uh, but it's all about the risk and what we are doing to reduce that risk. Our thanks to Orr Katz from Akamai for joining us. The research is titled, Highly Sophisticated Phishing Scams Are Abusing Holiday Sentiment. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfand, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Maria Varmatsis, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Millie Lardy, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Catherine Murphy, Janine Daly, Jim Hoshite. Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, Simone Petrella, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.